0: Welcome to the Refs Need Love Two podcast, a show that gives you a real, raw, and behind-the-scenes view of one of the hardest jobs on the pitch, the referee. I'm your host, David Gerson, a grassroots referee with seven years of experience and over 1,000 matches under my belt. You can find me at refsneedlove2.com and on TikTok. This week, the IFAB, IFAB, released the laws of the game changes coming to us for the 2023-2024 season. For the most part, I believe these are all positive updates and are within the spirit of the game. Let's get started. So there were a number of laws that were updated this time. Uh, Law 3, the players, Law 6, the other match officials, and even talking about offside and fouls and misconduct. We're going to step through all of them. Nothing really uh, groundbreaking here, but I think these were important clarifications, especially after we saw some of the scenes that happened at World Cup. Uh, this past November and December. So the first one is law 3.9 concerning a goal scored with extra person on the field of play. Now in other parts of the law of the game, uh, specifically when there's an outside actor on the pitch or a second ball on the pitch, the laws of the game were pretty clear that only disallow the goal if that outside actor interfered with play or only stop play if that second ball interferes with play. Meaning like if there's a ball over at the halfway line that's on the field for whatever reason, someone threw it onto the pitch and the goal is scored 60 meters away, you know, allow the goal. It's common sense. Makes sense. Well, at World Cup, when Messi scored his critical uh, go-ahead goal in extra time, uh, there were two of his teammates, substitutes, who were running onto the pitch or stepped onto the pitch, like literally one foot on the pitch, like 50, 60 yards away. And the law in the 2022-2023 version was actually saying that if that's the case, then you have to disallow the goal if you have an extra person on the field to play. Well, that's ridiculous. And it's not within the spirit of the game. And I'm sure it happens all the time. It just so happened this was in front of, you know, however many billions of people. Uh, So there was a lot of discussion about it that it should have been disallowed. And thankfully, you know, the powers that be at IFAB were like, you know, we need to update this because this is silly. And they did so. So now the law says that after a goal is scored, the referee realizes before play restarts that an extra person was on the field of play when the goal scored and that person interfered with play then we disallow the goal and have a direct free kick coming out so that's very important now it's it's a good change it's a positive change and again is consistent with other areas of the laws of the game so that's the main change that happened there second change loss seven duration of the match uh dot three allowance for time lost no major changes here. There were a number of things that we are supposed to be aware of when calculating uh, playing time lost in each half. Uh, substitutions was one uh, any other significant delays to restart, uh, that might be due to a, an outside agent somewhere in the field, but they wanted to have a specific point of emphasis. This used to be kind of in some parentheses, maybe like a sub-note about goal celebrations. Uh, when someone's people are running to the corner flag and celebrating with their teammates and taking time to interact with the crowd, that this needs to be fully considered as we're thinking about uh, time loss that needs to be added on. Uh, normally for me, when I'm doing a match, you know, I calculate in my head about 30 seconds for each goal that's scored. And I add that onto the end of the game and my stoppage time. Now they just really want to make sure that if people are taking an exceptional amount of time with their goal celebration, that we make sure that it's, um, caught for or allowed for uh, stoppage time at the end of the match. So again, Nothing crazy there. Uh, I think maybe people are already doing this. They just want to make it really clear that that's definitely something we should be adding for uh, stoppage time. Uh, Law 10.2, determining the outcome of the match and winning team. So at the end of a match, if it's a knockout competition or say it's a tournament style uh, situation, it might be more common, uh, there is what used to be called Kicks from the penalty mark to determine the winner of a match, if that's what the rules of the competition uh, specifically called for. Uh, kicks from the penalty mark is not necessarily a common vernacular. Uh, I've most people call them penalties or penalty kicks or a penalty shootout, and so the laws of the game are just updating that. Uh, instead of it technically being called kicks from the mark, they're just calling them penalties or a penalty shootout. That it's almost. Uh, interchangeable between the two. So if someone says, oh, you mean kicks from the mark? They're like, no, dude. Actually, it's penalties or penalty shootout in the, in the current laws of the game. Uh, it, it used to be a thing where people called uh, the assistant referee linesman. Oh, you mean the linesman? I'm like, no, I mean the assistant referee. That's what is called in the laws of the game to be more inclusive these days. So language changes, words changes. That's what's changed uh, in, in this year's uh, laws of the game. Hang on, I think I might have skipped one. So I'm just going to run up here to the top and just make sure that I didn't uh, miss anything. Oh yeah, other match officials in Law 6. Just small updates here to the other match officials that there can be um, an additional match official to help with the VAR, uh, that you can have an, an assistant VAR, someone who's actually looking at the screens and helping the VAR official do their job. Um in addition to the video assistant referee, I got to tell you, being a VAR official cannot be an easy job. Um, they have been directed to you know, be watching the game in real time with the same angles that everyone at home <laughs> has on, on the TV. They probably have like four or five screens in there, whatnot, and they very quickly, within probably 15 to 30 seconds, need to make a determination of a clear and obvious error occurred on the play. And they need help. You know, managing the screens, managing all the feeds, playing it back at at full speed, at slow speeds. Can I reverse that? Can I? Do we have another angle that does this? So yeah, having an additional uh, official there is a positive, positive thing uh, for the game. So they just change the uh, language to uh, be able to address that. Uh, the next one, and this is probably the biggest one uh, in the laws of the game changes this year is specifically on 11.2 offside and offside offense, specifically regarding a deliberate play of the ball. Now, the IFAB had already released guidance on this last year, new considerations. They've just now put them formally into the laws of the game. So that really explaining that a player in an offside position received the ball for an opponent who deliberately played the ball. So they received the ball and it came off a defender uh, right before they received it. They were in an offside position, but it came off defender. But did that defender deliberately play the ball to them? And that's really important um, in the laws of the game. You know, previously in the laws of the game, if someone maybe, you know, jumped up on a free kick and they were in a wall and they deflected a ball, well, that could be... They intentionally played it. It's a deliberate play. Um, someone uh, instinctively stuck their leg out as a ball is going uh, past through on the ground quickly and it deflected off of them. Oh, well, that's a deliberate play. Um, you know, anything like that where the ball was, was played long and they're jumping up in an awkward ankle to try and head it and someone was in an offside position, well, that's a deliberate play. Well, now they've updated the laws of the game to be much more explicit on what is or is not a deliberate play. So a deliberate play... Excluding a deliberate handball, totally separate thing we're talking about for offside offense here, is when a player has control of the ball with the possibility of passing the ball to a teammate, gaining possession of the ball, like controlling the ball, or clearing the ball by kicking it or heading it. Now, that does not mean that they did a good job at passing the ball or you know, cleanly at a, at a nice clean first touch or cleared it to where they wanted to go without any opponents around, That's not negating the fact of what a deliberate play is uh, because it goes on to say that there are certain factors we should be considering when we're evaluating uh, the the ability to have control of the ball and control of their body and deliberately play it. Um, Did the ball travel from a distance that the player had a clear view of it? Okay, so was there a crowd of people they didn't know the ball was coming? Uh, Was it shot through low and couldn't see it? Or was it like a long, lofted um, ball that went 30, 40 meters? They totally saw it coming the whole time. Okay? So that's one thing to consider. Um, Maybe the ball was not moving quickly. If it's a slow roller to them and they still misplay it, well, that's not their bad. It's very different from a ball being blasted at them across the ground, you know, 10 or 5 yards away, and they have no chance to be able to set themselves and play it cleanly. Um, Again, the direction of the ball was not unexpected. So if they're in a Uh, a crowd of people and no idea the ball was coming to them. If it bounces off of them, come on, that's really not in the spirit of the law. Um, This is another one. The player had time to coordinate their body movement. Again, not instinctive stretching or jumping or movement that achieved limited contact or control. Okay. So the ball's, really hit at them quickly. They don't have time to react and they do stretch out a leg. Again, that is still not considered deliberate play. And then that last consideration is again, a ball moving on the ground is much easier. Again, it's football. (laughs) So a ball on the ground is much easier to play than a ball in the air. So you really want to clarify what is a deliberate play as what we've just described there versus a deflection. A deflection does not negate an offside offense. If an attacker receives the ball off a deflection, they are off uh, from a def- uh, their opponent, then it is an offside offense. If they receive the ball from a deliberate play, let's say a defender controls the ball and then plays it back to their keeper and they do not see that there's another attacker there, an opponent there, well, tough nuggies, buddy. That's That's the way it is. So this wording is just really trying to update the language. This was published. Uh, last uh, July, and I don't know how many people knew about it. I mean, I, I certainly talked about it, never got a chance to do a video on it or anything like that, um, but I think this is a positive update in the laws of the game. Uh, the next one here is Law Twelve uh, dot Three, so thousand and m- Misconduct and Disciplinary Action. This one took me a little bit to try and wrap my head around. They didn't provide any videos with the update to the laws here, um, but what I get out of this is that When there's a penalty decision, okay. so for a penalty kick, the way the laws of the game were written previously that if someone was making a genuine attempt on the ball, so really trying to challenge for the ball, a slide tackle or something, an nature or a trip, but they were really trying to make a genuine attempt on the ball, that you would just simply award a penalty kick and that is it. That's it. If someone was making what's considered to be not a genuine attempt on the ball, like where they might have had a challenge through the back, uh, a shoulder to the back. Um, it was some other type of clumsy uh, trip whatnot, but they weren't anywhere close to the ball, that you would award a penalty kick, plus you would also award a yellow card. You'd caution them or caution for unsporting behavior. Now, what they're saying in the laws of the game is that, you know, sometimes it could be really difficult to to know if someone was, genuinely making an attempt to play the ball or challenge uh, for the ball. So in this case, they're just saying there's no difference anymore, just award uh, the, the penalty kick. Um, that does not rule out if it's a yellow card, and a dog so so you had a dog so situation, but it was inside the penalty area. Um, you would still, and again, they were in on goal. It was denial of obvious goal scoring opportunity. They had no other defenders back, and all of that kind of uh, direction on goal, likely to control all those things. You would you'd still give a yellow card for the dog so uh, inside the penalty area and the penalty kick. That's still a case. But for any other challenge that leads to a penalty kick. We would just award the penalty kick and no yellow card for unsporting behavior. So that's the the rationale and reasoning um, on that one. Law 14.1, the penalty kick and the procedure. I love this one. This is all about the defending goalkeeper in a penalty kick must remain on the goal line. and we know that during the kick they can be behind the line, over the line, on the line but this is specifically to make sure that the goalkeeper is not delaying the restart of the game. We've seen this a lot and get even worse, even during the World Cup, where a goalkeeper is literally standing in front of the penalty kick kick taker trying to talk smack or trying to distract them or might be yelling things at them or talking at them um, to distract them when they're taking the kick. That is not acceptable by any other player. It shouldn't be be acceptable for the goalkeeper. The law literally reads now, the goalkeeper must not behave in a way that unfairly distracts the kicker. Uh, For example, delaying the taking of the kick, touching the goalpost, crossbar or the net, which has always been um, something they can't do. They can't be hanging on the goalpost or crossbar or goal net when the shot is being um, taken. Now they just clarified it in the laws of the game. I love it. So no unfairly distracting the kicker should have been the laws all all along. Um, And then let's see. I mean, that's really it. <laughs> you know, those are the changes. So nothing massive there, no changes to a handball offense. Those are still there and we're still going to have the same questions about, um, you know, was it uh, body unnaturally bigger? Did they move their hand to the ball? All of that wonderful stuff. So those things will continue to, to go on. And of course, all of the laws of the game that everyone questions us on <laughs> are, are, are not going away and they're still going to be uh, their beautiful, wonderful self. Um, so, I hope you enjoyed today's pod and learned something new and you're prepared for the law changes that will be coming out in 2023-2024, which means they go into effect uh, this August. Knowing the laws of the game is critical to being a credible and reliable match official. The more you know, the more confident you will be on the pitch and the better you will be able to manage your matches and achieve top performance. If you like today's pod, please check out my website and merch at refsneedlove2.com. I appreciate your support, as always, and I hope your next game is red card free.